Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. I'm very glad you know who you are tonight. Clap your hands and praise Him. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, let's lift our hands and let the Lord speak to us tonight. I want you to open your hands and open your heart and say, God, I want to hear your voice. What would you have me to say? What would you have me to hear? Lord, we need you in this hour, this critical hour. We praise you, mighty God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Won't you find somebody next to you and greet somebody, tell them how glad you are to see them in church with you tonight. Would you do that? Would you greet someone near you? Amen, amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. I want to I wanna be right with God, don't you? In everything that I do, I want to please the Lord and who I am and before Him. I want to please Him. Amen. You will grab your Bibles today and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Well, it's raining on the inside of the church tonight. Got a drip right here we've got to get fixed. It is, but we need the Holy Ghost rain to fall. Can you say amen? There's something about the presence of the Lord that is so powerful. That we can't afford to have a service without it. How many believe that? Amen. But in 1 Samuel chapter 3, reading with verse 1, it says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. It's a sad day when the lights go out in the church. It's a sad day. It's a sad day when there's no, no open vision. There's no vision. There's a sad day when there's, when, when there's nothing going on at the house of God. Church ought to be the most vibrant thing going on in town. Even on a midweek service. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'd like to preach to you tonight on this subject. The night the lights went out in Shiloh. The night that the lights went out in Shiloh. God bless you as you are seated. When it says in the temple of the Lord that ere the lamp of God went out, it's not like 
the temple. Now there was no electricity, no furnaces. The only power that they had was really in the lamps, the lamps, the seven-tiered golden candlesticks that would have burnt there in that temple. It would have been that that would have produced the light so they could see that was near the ark to serve the things they needed to serve. I say to you today that the illumination in the room uh, was a fire that was not started by man. It was a light that was started by God himself. Can somebody say amen? Leviticus 9 and 24 says that when they built the altar, they laid the sacrifice and they put on there this, the, the sacrifice there. And when the animal was dead and everything was in order, that on the altar, the fire of God came out of heaven. Everybody say the fire of God. The fire of the Nehemiah that's reserved in the heavens came out up on the altar of sacrifice. And when it did, it started a fire that began to burn. That could be visibly seen, visibly felt. That, that was started on the altar that day and it was the job of the priest, the priesthood, the Levites to take care of the altar because everything that's going to happen in the tabernacle then is going to be because of what burns on the altar. Everybody say the altar. No altar, no fire. No fire, no illumination. No warmth, no direction, no clarity. And I word it this way, no presence of God. You've got to have the fire if you're going to have anything happening. If there's going to be any vision, any direction. You ever try to read in the dark? You can't read in the dark. You ever try to find your way somewhere in the dark? You don't know where you're going in the dark. You've got to have light to have illumination and illumination will bring direction. That's the problem with our culture now. That's the problem with America now is America has all these paths that they're trying to find in the dark because nobody's leading the way. Amen. Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into the ditch. But he said, I'm the light of the world. How many know Jesus is that light that gives direction to every one of us? People try all kinds of paths to try to find direction. They typically try to find it by feeling their way through it. They're blind. They're trying to feel. They're trying to make the decisions out of emotions and they get with this person and when they get with that person, it feels good for a moment. Then it turns sour and it leaves them feeling empty, wounded, and broken. And after that, they, they, they try to find something to fix the brokenness because of the relationship. Maybe, maybe something they're trying to run from. Maybe abuse of a past when they were a small child. And they're trying to find direction based upon emotion. I just, I just want to feel happy. I just want to feel peace. I just want to feel something. And somebody offers them a little something, you know, because there's always going to be a, a path leader somewhere they're going to introduce you to a new path and they find a path of maybe maybe a marijuana or alcohol or pills or drugs or, or uh, some lifestyle or maybe some career I don't know but they go down that path and 
Oh, for a moment, it's the pleasure of it for a moment. It feels so good, but then it leaves you what? It leaves you empty in a ditch somewhere that you're down there by yourself. Somebody said a ditch one time is nothing more than a grave with the ends knocked out of it. Down there dying, wondering how you ever got here and you're trying to get out. And I come to tell you right now, there was a man in the Bible that, that the good Samaritan went to. He was beaten. He was left half dead. He was laying beside the road and here he is. He's been robbed. He's been beaten. He's been broken and he's about to die. But there was somebody that came to where he was. The good Samaritan came and picked him up and he poured, poured into him oil and wine and he knew where to take him. I say to you today, you need somebody in your life that knows where they're going. You need somebody that knows the direction. They know how to get you out of where you are, to take you where you need to be. Not for their own benefit, but for your good. That's what Jesus is about, is pulling you out so he can better your life. He's the light. Somebody shout, he's my light. Oh, and every time you find somebody connected to Jesus, they're gonna be connected to that book. For this word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. It's, amen, he'll show me the way. Aren't you glad when you were living in darkness that somebody came to you with the light of the glorious gospel and showed you a better way? How many know there's a better way tonight? There is a better way. Church is about leading people to a better way. And people that are here staying in the right way. Straight is a gate and there is a way that leads to life. The Bible says, few there be that find it. Broad is the way. Straight is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there just go. What does that mean? They're just wandering people. Wondering, going from peel to peel and job to job and relationship to relationship and here to there, but no direction. Just wandering people. But the Bible says, he picked me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. I don't have to go anywhere else anymore because I found the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Come on, is there a witness tonight? I'm the truth and I am the life. No man go to the Father except by me. That's what he said. I'm preaching to you. There is a better way. There's no way like Jesus. He's a way is filled with joy. It's filled with peace. Come on, it's filled with healing. It's filled with deliverance. Somebody shout, I found a better way. And some old song wrote writer wrote, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I've got to make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tempts me and tries to turn me around. He's offered everything that's got a name. All the wealth I won in worldly fame. If I could still, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I wouldn't take anything for this journey. Amen. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Amen. He brought me out. Come here, brother. No, he better get touched. Run down here. I'm not going anywhere, Brother Noe. Do you feel the same tonight? Amen. I, I know I give you testimony often. 22 years, crack cocaine, addicted until the light shined on him. And he said, I don't need it anymore. Now he's been delivered since 2005 because there's a better way. Come here, Gene Teha. Run up here with Pastor. 
Brother Gene, are you, are you walking away anytime soon? You going back to the old path? You going back to the old way? Why? Because this is better. This is better than looking over your shoulder looking for cops. This is a better way. I'll take it even further. It's not just a better way. It's the only way. Jesus is the only way. Everything else is, everything else is lacking. Everything else is missing. And when you come to church, you need to express yourself the way you're expressing it. It's all right to clap your hands and shout hallelujah. It's okay to get happy knowing where you were and where you would have been if it had not been for the Lord on my side. That's why I praise him the way I praise him because he brought me out. He healed my diseases. He fixed my situation. Amen. You know what I like? You're still fired up. Amen. There's nothing better than this. Amen. Nothing better than living with the Lord. Nothing. Hallelujah. I looked out one service. I looked out one service. The only people jumping, the only ones dancing were these two. And I stopped the service and I said, you know why they're dancing? I wasn't, I wasn't degrading the congregation. But Jesus said, when the woman that washed his feet with the alabaster box, anointed him with oil, washed his feet uh, with her tears and dried them with her hair, he said to whom, he talked about to whom much has been forgiven, more thankful. Can I say to everybody that's been raised in this, that you grew up with the light shining on you, a, a clear direct path, road signs to get where you needed, those that are in the building, you ought to be thankful you didn't have to be pulled out of the ditch. You didn't have to have the needle pulled out of your arm. Come on, don't sit there. Don't sit there service after service and not ever be grateful. It's okay to weep and say, God protected me. God preserved me. God kept me. Somebody shout amen. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise, hallelujah. He's wonderful, wonderful, Jesus is to me. He's my counselor, prince of peace. The mighty God is he, oh, he's saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Oh, wonderful is my redeemer, praise his name. Oh, it's in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Satan will have to flee. Oh, tell me who can stand before us when we call on his great name. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, we have a victory and victory is mine. Victory is mine. Oh, victory today. Woo!
Yes, victory is mine. Oh, victory is mine. Oh, victory today is mine. Sing again. Yes, oh, victory is mine. Oh, victory is mine. Victory today is mine. For I told Satan to get thee behind. Somebody help me. Oh, victory today is mine. One more time. Oh, victory is mine. Yes, victory is mine. Oh, victory today is mine. For I told Satan to get thee behind. And victory today is mine. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I don't want to lose my joy. I don't want to lose my praise. I don't want to lose my thanksgiving for what he's done for me. He brought me out. Somebody shout, the Lord brought me out. Shout it again. He brought me out. Because he's got something better for me. Amen. He brought me out. When I come up out of that watery grave of baptism, old things were passed away. Behold, all things were made new. He brought me out of sin. He brought me out of bondage to show me a better way. Hallelujah. But I've got a responsibility now. I've got a responsibility now. You can be seated because when I put myself on the altar and I lay down on that altar as that sacrifice was put there and I died out to the Lord. How many ever heard the terminology? I gave my life to the Lord. They gave their life to the Lord. You're not going to hear us say, well, I joined the church. I joined the church. That's, that's, we're not signing church memberships here. We joined the body of Christ. Not necessarily a, a church congregation. But what we do is we believe that you can die out to Christ. That you can give your life to the Lord. And what that means is you die out to him in repentance. And you say, God, I don't want to be me. Me is making a mess. Me is trouble. I mean, no, the devil's not the problem. It's that person who brushes your teeth in the morning. Look at your neighbor and say, you know, that's the truth. It's you. You've, that person fixing your hair. Amen. Lord, every time I mention hair, it's just hope that one day I'm going to wake up on Christmas. I'm going to have a full head of hair. I'm going to have Elvis Presley sideburns. I'm going to go all out. It's going to wave up in here. Amen. Don't step on my blue suede shoes. Thank you, thank you. I don't even know where I was. I need to crucify the Elvis in me on the altar today. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner. There's a point in your life you realize sin has a dead end road. Somebody got you on the wrong road. It's the pleasure of sin. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Then it's over. 
when the road of sin's pleasure ends, it's always bondage. Now you can't get out of what sin got you into. And you're trapped and you want to do better, but it's a cycle. You, you get this cycle. You, oh, I want to do better, I'm going to do better. Then you fall back down. You try to climb up out of that pit. And, oh, you get a little bit of light, a little bit, oh, maybe, maybe. Then they slip, fall back down into that pit. One day you come to realize you can't get out of it. Can't get out of it by myself. Somebody got me in it, but I can't. Tried, tried this, tried that, and can't get out. But you know what's so powerful? When you've done all that you can do, there's somebody that can do more than you can do. Somebody can do more. And you say, Jesus, I need you to help me. I'm tired of the pit. I'm tired of dying in this hole of misery and bondage. Lord, I need you to help me. And somehow in a simple prayer from your heart, not something read by somebody else, just something you, you pray to you, God, I need you to get me out of this. I'm in a mess. I need you to help me, God. I don't want to die this way. I don't want to live this way no more. God, I want you to change your him. I want you to change the way I think. I want you to change my desires and my passions. Oh, God, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be hateful. I want to be bitter. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to be this way anymore. God, I just, I just need you to change me. I can't do it. My family can't help me. The counselors can't help me. Nobody can help me, but God, I need you to help me. And you know what you'll find? God walks down into the pit where you are. He rolls and sleeves up and says, come on. I got something better for you. Let me pick you up and bring you where you can see a new horizon. There's a brand new place for you. I've got a place prepared for you. That's who I serve. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for you. That's what he did for you, Brother Nehemiah. Brother Gene and Sister Candy, we can go down the line. He didn't wait on me to crawl out. He came to where I was and picked me up. Somebody shout, shout amen. He pulled me out of the pit. And he took me to a place where the lights are on. He took me to a place where there's, where there's healing where there's hope, where there's restoration, where there's care, where there's mercy, where there's grace. It's called the house of God. The Bible says they, that good Samaritan picked him up and put him on his, I can't remember if it was a horse, a mule, whatever it might have been. He set him on there and poured into him. So I didn't know exactly where to take you. I'm going to take you somewhere where they'll love you. I'm going to take you somewhere where they'll care for you. I'm going to take you somewhere where they're going to restore you. And, gee, and that good Samaritan, we portray that as the Lord. I mean, believe that. We leads them all the way there, takes them to the church, and they're broken. The man's broken. He's, he's got oil running out of him now. He's got wine poured into him to heal his wounds because he's been wounded by the wrong path. You know what wounded you? The wrong path. And on the wrong path is always the wrong people. Always. The wrong path will always have the wrong people. You're moaning and groaning and blaming yourself, but the truth of the matter is, if I was on that path, I'd do the same. It's a path problem. Jesus said it's a path problem. The problem is it's a blind road. You don't, you don't even see. You, you'd have never went down if you knew where it would lead you, but you were blind leading the blind. Somebody just saying, go with me, because they didn't know where they were going either. And you're mad at them, you're bitter at them, you hate them, but the truth of the matter is, they was going down the wrong road too. They did you wrong because they were done wrong. 
And look at your neighbor and say, there's path problems. Say, it's just the wrong path. That's why repentance means to turn around. God, I need you to pull me out. And you get on that altar and you tell the Lord, I don't want to live this way. And the Lord says, okay, I'm going to pick you up. Come on, come with me. And God picks you up. Excuse the analogy. He carries you through the scripture over here. He body slams you in the bathtub. <laughs> Baptismal, excuse me. Pushes you all the way under. Hold on a minute. Cleans you up. That's what that's about. Because everything and stain and mess you had. I, you know why I'm wet? You know why I got this one this, one this way? So the preacher could get wet with you. Listen, because the Bible says we're buried with him by baptism. See, Jesus gets in the pit with you, carries you to the grave with you, and he gets in the watery grave. The Bible says we're buried with him. You're not walking in there by yourself. I'm just doing this for the Lord. No, you're doing this with him. And you're going down in that water and the Lord's going to clean you up. And when you come out, it's like a brand new baby. No stains. No mess. Well, they shout down at the Pentecostal church. You better believe it. If you'd seen me before he got a hold of me, you'd understand why I praise him the way I do. He changed my life. He changed my life. Somebody shout, he changed my life. I'd be excited every time somebody gets baptized because the Lord's going in there with him. Somebody shout, amen. How many had the Lord to change your life and you're grateful for it? Come on, let's praise him today. He picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the savior. I thank God. Come on, thank him right now. If he's ever picked you up. Hallelujah. If we don't, if we ever lose that, that altar's about everything else but dying on it. And every now and then, you can be seated. Every now and then we got to come back to that altar because you got to keep the altar alive and say, it's me. Lord, I'm getting a bad attitude again. Reverting back. Temptation's trying to come to me again. I don't want to go back. Lord, I give you everything. I doubt again and again and again. See, when the fire falls, when you truly repent, I'm not talking about just, let's see how it goes. Let's just see if it works. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you know. You've got faith. I am. I'm in. I'm all in. Somebody shout, I'm all in. I was almost all in. Amen. All in. I'm done. See, there's a moment you draw a line in the sand and say, I'm done. I've tried it. I'm not going back. I'm going with the Lord. And you can feel the arms of the Lord wrap around you. I'm not walking this by myself. I'm not walking this road by myself. Neither are you.
and you went back to Guatemala, you weren't alone. The Lord's walking right there with you. That's why the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. With God. You're not going to McConnellsville all by yourself. Going back to that city where you used to be incarcerated. They're going to put you away and throw away the key. You guys say, hold on. I get the last word. You bent your knees somewhere and said, I, I don't belong here. God's got something better for me than jail cells yes. and addiction. Yes. Come on. Come on, some of you here that abused and broken, beaten, thrown aside. You wonder how you're going to ever feel value again. I promise you. If you just let the Lord pick you up, he's going to create confidence in your life again. Walk with you and you realize you're a king's daughter. You're a child of the king. He throws stars off of his fingertips. He speaks in the thunder rolls. He claps in the lightning flashes. And if you only knew who my father was, if you only knew who he is, he, he loves me. Somebody shout, the Lord loves me. He's walking with me. And that fire falls upon that person. Fire of God falls on them. Burns out everything that's not supposed to be there. The only thing left is a consuming fire that's of the Lord. The only thing you see is somebody with the flame of God. Passions that were not there before. See, fire can be related as passion. The passion changes. Now you want to help people. Now you want to better people. You want to better yourself. You want to, the new passion changes. You don't, you don't, you're not looking for self-destructive things. You're looking for things that it just, it's, it's, it's not from you. It's not from daddy. It's not in your genes. It's not in your, it's not in your, in your tradition. It's from God. It's a fire. Everybody say it came from the Lord. And when it fell upon your altar, it started consuming you and it, it, it built a, it's, you're on fire. You ever see somebody on, you, you, you ever got too close to the fire? My dad was working in coal mines, West Virginia. And, you know, he, he said they'd, it was 50 degrees under the mountain. They would be two miles under the mountain and come out working in deep mines. He'd come out and they'd get, had to pull water out of their boots and they'd build a fire and they'd get next to the fire. And he said one time a guy, guy had kept moving away from the fire and kept scooting away from the fire and said he finally hit him. He's so far away from fire, there's no way he could feel the heat, but he's feeling the heat because his britches were on fire. <laughs> he got so close to the fire, his pants got on fire. I wish we'd get so close to the fire, we'd catch on fire. But the only thing left of us is good, is the Lord in us. We know you've been with the Lord. Those people have something. They, they'll better you. They'll help you. They're, there's nothing in them that's of them. They're, 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 you can see the Lord in their life. And that's what the altar was about. It was about you dying so God could replace all your bad with all of his good. But you can't do that. You can't get it. You can't get it just by, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do good deeds. That's your will. You've got to learn to die out to him and let him put in you what only he can put in you. The Bible says in us is no good thing. When I would do good, evil is present with me. But when you die out to who you think you are and what people said you are and what they called you and labeled you because you were on the wrong path, you can shake that off and say, that's not who I am. I'm, that's not me anymore. I'm a new person. I, I am better now. Come on, I feel like in this service for some reason, some of your labels are about to burn up in the altar. Some of your titles are about to burn up in the altar. God is about to set you free. Somebody shout, he can burn it out of me. And he can put in me what I need.
Praise God. And that's what the altar was for. You can be seated and they'd take from the altar, they would take tongs, tongs. And they would take hot coals from the altar. They would, they would take the hot tongs and they would take them and there was this seven-tiered golden candlestick that was filled with olive oil, pure olive oil. There was a bowl that two pipes came down and filled the, the menorah. And they would light that with the fire from the altar. The fire come from the altar. And it would light that seven-tiered when the candlesticks would glow. It would light up that dark room. You couldn't even see inside of that room in the tabernacle was the table of shoe bread that was holy bread representing the word of the Lord. You need that book. You need that book. Come on, you need cheeseburgers and El Parion. Did you get enough Latino food while you was here, Brother Noe? Pizza. You like that barbecue. That's good for your body, but doesn't feed your soul. They can call it soul food. Come on, can I get a witness? Some people know what soul food is right now. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I used to just like food. Now, now it comforts me. Just makes me happy. Can I get a witness from somebody? Boy, just, just can't, eat, can't wait to eat that roll. Amen. Pancakes. I'm hungry. Amen. That right there feeds your soul. You can eat cheeseburgers and drink sweet tea with extra sugar all day long. You have a double-double from coffee from Tim Horton. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to touch your soul. But when you get in the Word, that's why you go to church. But hold on. You know, you can read that book blind. You can read it and get nothing out of it. Oh, I can't believe the pastor said you can read the Bible and get nothing out of it. You know what? If you're reading in the dark, you can't get nothing out of it. Just dark. The only thing that makes that book illuminate you have to have an altar in your life. When you do, it turns a light on in your spirit. And it causes this book to come alive. You just can't go to seminary and say, oh, you know what, I think I'll be a preacher. Not saved, but you want to be a preacher. I've seen people do it. They thought it was a career path. I have one of them that said he lived in a life of sin the whole time. That's what he told me. He said, I know I've got a degree in theology, but I don't know anything about the Bible. He said, on my couch, and that's what he told me. He said, because my spirit wasn't right with God the whole time I went through seminary. I wasn't even right with the Lord. Because it's not until you have an altar in your life. You see, nobody lives this life out of their own ability. That's why you got to die out to God. You got to say, not my will, but your will. And when you die out to the Lord, guess what happens? He gives you everything. Man, there's an old song growing up. They'd sing 99 and a half won't do. Lord, I'm striving, trying to make a hundred. But not, I'm talking about total commitment here today. God, here I am. And you lay on the altar and God sends that fire. And next thing you know, you start seeing things you've never seen before. I had young people that I won from my high school. And that's what they told me. They said, I've never seen life this way. They said, I've never seen from this perspective. They said, I've never seen it this way. They said, it's like something was removed shells from my eyes, like curtains lifted from my eyes. Talking about people that were robbing houses at night. The guns, growing marijuana in the attic and the black lights and selling it. I'm talking about people that, that were broken and busted and trying to find some, 
something on the wrong path. But when they came to God, they said, I feel like just something's lifted. What was it? It was an altar that God responded to. And when they began to see, now they can see to eat the shoe bread, the word of God. That's represented 12 loaves were there of holy bread. And this represented the word of God that you can see to eat it. You can see to understand it. Now that Bible that didn't make any sense that grandma used to talk about. All of a sudden now you're, you're sitting on the front row. You're sitting at the church and the preacher's preaching. You're like, you don't understand everything he's saying. I really understand. And I was reading my Bible the other day and this just stood out to me. I've never seen it like this before. Why? You found an altar and the altar altar brought fire and the fire brings illumination and illumination, amen, brings direction. It brings direction. Next thing you know, you'll start seeing what God designed for you to be and that you're not a mistake. You're not just a happenstance. You're not just trying to coexist or just exist or survive. You start thriving in your purpose. You start thriving in your destiny because you realize I've been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Somebody shout, there's a destiny for my life. Amen. You found it. Where? You found it in the altar. You found it in the altar, Zion. You found it in the altar, Candace. Preaching was nothing until you responded and believed that I can go to the altar and be right with God. You know what happened? Here, they stopped valuing the altar and only appreciated the benefits. The Bible says they polluted the altar. The altar became about them instead of about him. The altar's never about you. The altar's always less of you and more of him. When you go to the altar like this, what can you give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Oh, no, no, that's not why we go to the altar. We go to the altar to give ourselves. To give ourselves, God, is there anything that needs to die in me? Is there anything that needs, I need to give up in my life? Is there anybody I need to separate from? God, I'd give everything to have. Lord, what you want me to be. It's where you, it's a place of separation. It's a place of dying. The Bible says in Matthew 36 and 39, excuse me, 26 and 39, the Bible says he went a little further. Some of you have been to this altar, but you never went to the place in the altar you're supposed to be. There's a place you go where you're totally committed to God. I feel this for somebody in this room. That's why your Christianity isn't satisfying you. It's because you got one foot in the world and you got one foot in the church. You got one, you, you're trying to have your hand in the altar and your hand on the wrong path. You can't have both. You got to have one or the other. But I promise you, when you let go of the world and embrace the altar, embrace God wholeheartedly, you'll find 100% satisfaction in the Lord. Somebody say amen. If church becomes, you know, this is a modern statement now. What does the church have to offer my family? I understand it. I'm not saying it's a, not a good question, but that should never be the intent. What can I do to offer the church? What can I do for God? What would God, what can, how can the church change me? How can the altar change my life? How can I be better? Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Come on, now, it's, now everything's about benefits, you know. What's, the, what, what's my benefit? If I come there, what's the benefit? Uh, well, there's so many benefits. He daily loads with benefits, but that's not the purpose of the altar. Brother Zion can never get to a place where this becomes about what you can get out of it. It's about a place where you can go die. The altar ought to be appealing to every one of us. I'm going to go to the altar today. I'm going to build an altar. If there's one thing I've preached about over the years, I've preached about altars and restoration. Y'all know that's the truth. You can find the altar. I promise you, you'll find healing. You'll find everything you need. 
and the fire falls on the altar. And what, what happens is when the fire falls on the altar, the church is lit up. It's got a warmth to it. You ever been to a church that was cold? I'm not talking about the foyer Sunday morning. 64 degrees. I'm not talking about Liggett Hall today. I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about there's no warmth. There's no welcome. You're there, but it seems ice cold. Cold as ice. Church of the frigid air. You know what I'm talking about? There's no one on the outside and in. Sitting there, getting nothing out of it. Trying to stay awake. But next Sunday, I'll get an energy drink and drink it before I get to church. Maybe that'll keep me awake during the pastor's preaching. It should never be that way. It ought to be on fire. Somebody shout, it's hot in here! That's the way it should be. It ought to be hot by the fire that's been built by the members that we come in here and we are laying sacrifice on that altar of ourselves. We continually going back and saying, hey, I don't, want, I don't want more of me. I want more of God. And if we'll make this about more of God and less of us, everything that this city needs is going to be right here in the building. It's going to be vision. Come on. The word of God won't be precious. What that means, it will not be lacking. It will be fulfilled. You know what I say we do? I say we fill this city with our doctrine. That's what the Bible said. They fill Jerusalem with their doctrine. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and say, let the church be on fire. Let the church be on fire. Amen. And what happened, Brother Noe, is that the priesthood Stop caring about the altar. The prophet warned them, better straighten up, better get that altar in order. They're polluting the altar. They didn't do it. They let things go just the way they went. And guess what happened? You don't have an altar, you eventually won't have illumination. I drove by a church I attended many, many years ago. Congregation has moved now. There's no punt intended toward them. But I drove by it the other day and the property was dark. There wasn't one street light on, one spot, not one parking light on, not one light on in the building. It saddened me. I'm not saying the church was wrong, but the church moved to another town. That church was called the Lighthouse. And just in the parallel today, no judgment toward that building. I'm just saying the picture that it painted for the moment. There's no light on in the church. God forbid we ever have a church that doesn't have a light on in it. All the LED bulbs are burning, but there's no light on. There's no move of God. There's no vision. There's no passion. There's no motivation. There's no growth. There's no increase. People would rather be somewhere else when they're here. I don't want that to be this church. There's only one way you keep the fire burning in the church. You've got to have an altar in it. I don't care if you've been in this for 50 years. You can be, you can be in this 50 years and have a bad attitude. Because that old flesh, I mean, no, you're still flesh. You get baptized, you're still flesh. You're not going to eat angels' food the rest of your life. I don't want any cheeseburgers anymore, no pizza, no coffee. Just angel food. Listen, if you eat that Bible, you're going to starve to death. Still got flesh to deal with. 
See, I say, you know, that's, that's enough cherry pie right there. That's too much pumpkin pie. Are y'all listening to me tonight? Or, you got to limit yourself. There's still temptations. People still going to call you up from your past and say, hey, won't we go out? And you're going to say, no, 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 no. Nope, been down that road, not doing that again. Matter of fact, when you see me Sunday, I'll be at the house of God. They don't want to think part of it, it's okay. You just keep on going down the right path because it's right. Somebody say amen. This place was called Shiloh. It's where kings would come and get direction for the next battle. It's where families brought their sacrifice and found forgiveness and restoration. It's where people that had trespassed and made mistakes and knew they weren't right with God could come back and bring turtle doves or a lamb or goat. They could stand at the door and the priest would say, you've been forgiven. And they could walk away for the rest of the year knowing God has forgiven my sins. But when the light goes out, the people stop coming. Because there's no altar. There's no illumination. You go to church, but you can't find direction. Preacher preaches. The music plays. You don't feel anything. You don't see anything. The truth of the matter is, you're listening, but you don't hear anything. That's never God's design for His church. They said, sir, we would see Jesus. That's what we ought to see when we're here. As I feel something. People tell me often, said, I've been a lot of places, but I've never felt a move of God like I do at the anchor. Well, we're not the only one that that happens at, but that's a great compliment. But God forbid somebody turn around after I preached and we've sang and they walk out the door and they say, nothing happened. Not coming back. Oh no, there ought to be a gentleness over your spirit. How many have felt the warmth of God's presence tonight? Well, we've been here. How many have felt that? Because there's an altar here. Because there's a Brother Brown in the prayer room. Amen. There's a Candace in the prayer room. There's, there's different ones that say, God, we want you to move among us. And the, and the sizzling of the flame of God coming out of heaven that's sitting in this room. You don't feel what you feel in the church by accident. It's because there's sacrifice on the altar. Right above me right now, there's a crackling flame ball of fire that's just waiting to fall on somebody's personal altar that I can't give you. You can feel mine. You can feel mine. Get close enough to me. You'll feel the flame. But when you walk out of here, you got to have your own fire burning within you. Like a hot coal. Can you picture a hot coal burning within here? You walk away and got your own fire burning inside of you. That's a passion to do better. A passion to break away. A passion to be what you're supposed to be. A passion to motivate. Where does it come from? It comes from God. Not a motivational speech. That you got on an altar and God responded with a fire from heaven and never felt better. Never felt so good. I feel clean. I feel free. I know what I'm going to do. I know exactly what to do. Why? Because the fire brings illumination and the illumination will always bring direction. That is what the church is supposed to be. 
Don't let it be the night that the lights go out in shallow. That there's no vision, no direction, and no hope. Do I have revival in your family? Build an altar. Go back to the altar of repentance. Watch. Next thing you know, your children will feel the flames of your altar next to you. The warmness of the Spirit of God. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I don't want the lights to go out of my life. There's at least 10 people right now saying, I'm ready for a better way. God's going to give it to you tonight. But I want you to start calling on him and saying, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just do it, God. I want you to bring me out. I'm asking you to bring me out. Hallelujah. Come on, it's not light at the end of the tunnel. The light's coming into your pit right now. It's coming down to bring you out. His hand is reaching further down than you can reach up. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for a deliverance. Come on, if you want God to meet you in this altar tonight, I want you to run up here. Come on, I don't care your first time or you've been here a hundred times. I want you to come. I want God to meet me in the altar. Come on, all over the building. I want God to meet me in the altar. Come on, people coming from all over the building. Hallelujah. I want there to be a fire in my life. I want there to be the warmness of the Spirit. Pentecostal fire. Pentecostal fire. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.